Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Well, how are you now, Skip? Ah, oh, there you are now. He's bleeding massive. A fair play in all fairness. Good topping. Give a shot, yeah. I'm allergic to this. Relax the cocks. Go way out of that. Ah, oh, Jesus, tis yourself. Get that into you, Cynthia. everybody it's been a while my apologies welcome back to an episode of tis yourself with myself nicola barden i haven't been with you in a few weeks if you follow me on instagram you will know that is because i had some issues with dates and moving things around with some guests who had to postpone and change things and all lads it was like a drama i just i was fully convinced there was someone out there with a voodoo doll who just did not want me to get things going First, the start of the season had been flying along. Everything was going so well. And always something just throws a stick in the way and trips me up like that kid and Big Daddy. So, um, yeah, I haven't been around since my episode with Jake Carter. But uh, I have two brilliant episodes coming to you to end the year. So I'm very excited about that. So I am very, very grateful for these guests who have been able to record and, you know, stuck to our times and stuff like that. So it's been great. Um but yeah, since I last spoke to you, it is now Christmas. So yeah, I hope you all have got your shopping done. I hope you all haven't spent too much. I hope you're not being too stressed. If you're like me, you've just given up and you've just decided whatever you have, you have. And if I see something, brilliant. But apart from that, I'm just not caring. I'm just like, do you know what? All go grand. Everybody has loads as is. And there's no point in putting ourselves into debt. So, and I think that's very topical in what I, my talk today is about. So I have the lovely and sound Alan Cairns, who GA fans will be like, obviously I know who he is. He is obviously a Galway hurler. And as well as that, a Galway footballer, one of the only Galway players to do both. He was actually playing both um, for a few years there together. Uh, Jewel, which of course was a huge amount of pressure and we hear about that. He did it for four years there and it was a lot of stuff. So started out playing hurling for Galway and then he explains to me how football came along and how he was doing both with a bit of golf and a bit of soccer thrown in um, all along the way. And of course he took home some medals for for Galway as well, which is amazing. Now retired, he has his own personal development company called the Inner Winner Institute. He also started his own charity, uh, Alan Cairns Projects, which we'll chat all about. Um, and also he he helps out with Self Help Africa. And he's the guy behind Plant the Planet. So GA fans, you'll know about this. You've seen it on Instagram and on your favourite um, football and hurlers, camogie players, Instagrams and social medias. So it started last year where 50 GA players from men's and women's teams head out to Kenya to plant a million trees and they did it again this year. And so you're thinking, oh, trees, like what is, like what? Like the plant trees, great, fantastic. And they went out and, you know, played with the kids and met the locals and got, a, you know, completely unique experience and got to see what life is like in Africa for people who have 
pretty much nothing. And it's not just trees, as Alan explains. These are fruit trees. These are, um, so they're given like where they can grow their own fruit. They can take shelter from the extreme heat. There's so much more to this than just sticking a tree in the ground and heading off banking yourself. But here in Ireland, we know the power of the tree. We know why it's very, very important at the moment to be planting as many as we can to clear our air and to do so much more. So it not only is it great for the environment, it's great for the local people as well. So he's just gotten back from their second trip and he was filling me in. Some of the people that you may know that headed along on this. So there is Tyg de Burka, who plays for Waterford. Uh, we've got Fanon O'Sullivan, who plays for Kerry. Uh, Libby Coppinger, who's a Camogie player from Cork. You'll know Lindsay Davey if you are a Dublin fan. She's played football for Dublin. Uh, Dan Marcy from Limerick, the hurler. Kieran Murta from Roscommon, loads more. So there's there's fifty of them in total, lads. So you're probably going to know one from your county. Um, obviously, and they all had to raise ten grand to go out there to fund the trip and to fund the planting of the trees to help the locals. So lives have literally been changed between the Irish headed out there and obviously the people that they're helping out there. So Alan, considering he is the guy who created this and got it together in his his dream, I got to catch up with him and we spoke yesterday and we spoke all about this. We spoke about the GA, we spoke about community, we spoke about his son who gave him another new look on life when he got he was born and was very, very unwell when he was born with issues with his pancreas. So you know, Alan has used every experience that he's gained in his life to get a new perspective and to look at life in a different way. I suppose it's something we could all learn from. And, you know, he speaks about it in a very passionate way. A couple of times the uh, audio just cuts out a little bit. So if there's, you know, I'm very sorry about that. That is just the way Zoom goes, lads. Um, but no, there's nothing, you know, that has been really taken out that will impact the story. It's just you might hear a little skip of a word here and there. But I really hope you enjoy it. Please stick around, have a listen, and I'll be chatting to you after this episode. Um, I've had yeah. a couple of Dublin footballers on me and I've had Aidan from Mayo, but you're my first Galway GA star. And I'm lucky enough you've been in both sports, obviously, which is amazing. But like, how did you even get into the GA? Like, was that in your family like, was that a thing that everybody did? Yeah, I suppose. I'm born I mean, born in Clarenbridge in a lovely little village. There was no other sport, only hurling, really. And my dad was a big hurler as well. And he had won a number of county titles and captained the local team. He owned the local team in our draft and the next village up. But he built in Clarenbridge. So, and then we, and so he had a huge influence on us in terms of our GA background and him having such a tradition in, in the game. And then we went to a school here in in Killini National School where Michael Brown was the principal. He's another massive GA influence. And every day we played in school. So it was mainly hurling. We played all the way up. I didn't take up football. There was no football where I'm from. And God was unusual that way. It's divided by the railway line, the West and North football and South and East play hurling. Generally, there's very few dual clubs. So mm-hmm. I took up Football at 23 when I was in college in, in Trinity College studying physiotherapy and managed to be lucky enough to get selected for the Galway team a few months later and won an All-Ireland. So, yeah, that I, if you told me when I was a young fella that I would win a football medal for Galway and not a hurling medal, I would have told you, you're, you're, you're off your head, you know. But So I would have played a lot of soccer, underage soccer growing up as well, Galway Town, Galway United, and golf, I suppose, would have been another game. But football would have been my fourth game. But then it became huge, obviously, when I took it up in, in, in college in Trinity. But so, yeah, it was, it was mainly family influence, mm. school influence, and then the community I was born. 
And I suppose that's, you know, hurling was the number one sport where I was Rama. That's what we, that's what, that's what we play. Yeah. And when you're into that kind of, every, all your friends are playing hurling and all your like peers and your school, the people in school. So like, it, I suppose it's also a social aspect, I suppose, as well. Massive. And it's massive. And you know what? It's, that's one thing the GA gives people who are involved in the GA. It's very much a community-based organization. And you, you've got that informal social support network, you know, that's, that when there's a when something goes wrong in the club around you and that sense of belonging and identity is why you know some of the greatest human needs we need are a sense of belonging, a sense of identity, and a sense of that informal social support network. As well as people, you know, I studied child and family support later in life after physio, and it was often proven that you know children on the margins or children in difficult situations, the ones that are rescued are the ones that make it through those challenging. Uh, environmental or, or family, maybe dysfunctional families or uh, communities that they live in. It's the, that informal social support network is what saved them, a coach or the club or the sport itself. Uh, so that really gave us a great grounding and a great education life, but great support uh, away from family as well and away from, uh, and it gave us that sense of belonging that we belonged to something that we were valued there and you know, it, it met an awful lot of the emotional, psychological needs that as you as, ba- as basic human beings, you know. But how in heck did you start taking up football? Because like you've learned three sports, you've got golf, hurling, and you've got the um, soccer, I suppose. And then you're like, oh, do you know what? I, I well, just- yeah, it's, it's amazing. We like we didn't really play soccer under under age either. We didn't really have a soccer club here, or rugby here, and we'd no we only hurling club, no football club either. And I suppose I went to Trinity. Study physiotherapy and um, I was in UL for a year first and then I went doing sports science and then went transferred to physio in Trinity and I was a year or two there and GA, you know, Trinity wouldn't be a GA strong. It was great. We loved Trinity. We had a great time. We love the club there. Really, um, really tight and great nights out and great friendships from, from that my time in Trinity. But I suppose the hurling wouldn't have been strong at the time there. And, uh, I, I, you know, back then, 1999, 1998, we'd know cars, really, like the current students do. <laughs> either getting on the home to go playing soccer or during the winter. You just play soccer during the winter. And uh, as, a, as a hobby, really, and keep fit. And I was living with a couple of Cavan guys who played underage football for for Cavan. And they said, why don't you go playing football? We have a good setup. The training is going really well. It's, we have a decent team. You might like it. Come out and keep fit for the winter anyway. So I said, oh, sure. I'm living with you. I might as well go out with you. So I went out playing football with them. And I loved it. And um, I took it up and was, made the team with Trinity. And then I said, I might as well look at joining a club in Galway. So I joined Salt Hill, um, which, was, which was the nearest senior team I could join. They didn't have a hurling team at the time because... I had to join a football team with no hurling association because I wasn't allowed to play hurling against them and football with them, if you know what I mean. Right. So, uh, yeah, so it was complex. So I joined Salt Hill. And lucky enough, I joined a great club there. And we won a club all Ireland as well, there, which was great. Um, and they took me and welcomed me in, and they were brilliant to me. Again, a lovely community and one of the best friends. Met my wife there through, through Salt Hill. So I have a lot to be thankful for Salt Hill as well. Um and uh, very grateful for them taking me in and giving me the opportunity to play for them and represent them. So, uh, so yeah, so that, that's that's uh, that's how I took a football, really. 
Who those Calvin lads are now sitting there going, I can't believe I had the Galway man winning all Ireland raging they are. <laughs> yeah, Paul O'Donnell is there, he's a dentist in um in Dundrum now and Mickey Bryce as well. He would dance play for Calvin Seniors, he's an engineer, but he's living there in in Navot there Navot of GA now, but uh uh, they, they they encouraged me to come out. So and Andy Farrell in Dublin as well, the British guy. It was those three guys really that got me into it, you know. And do you have a favorite between all of them, all the different sports? Like, is there one that you're like, if if I said to you now, you can go play it. Fitness levels are back to where you know you were when you're a teenager or whatever. Which would be the one that you go for? No, you'd always have to say, you know, if I give God for try, would, would you make? I don't know. Um, and I suppose. Um, I'd love to have maybe given that a rattle, if, but we didn't play until we were later in life. But because um, it's a professional aspect to it, mm. I mean, I, hurling really would be my number one. To be honest, if I'm truthful, because it's such a wonderful game to play, such a, a an intricate and traditional game, and such a, uh, a such a speed, a, such a fast game. Everyone who plays hurling really loves it. It's a rare sport that it's. Um, that uh, and I suppose that's what I was born up with. That's what I know, and that's my first love. And my family, so I think it would be hurling. Oh, definitely hurling would be would be would be still number one. But you still have that thing in the back. Born into a sport where it was a career as a professional as well. Um, and would you have made it there? So there's always questions that you'll always have be an, unanswered. But look at it, hurling; it's been brilliant to me. The charity that that was born out of the out of the it was hugely supported by the GA. It wouldn't have lasted for the GA. The networks in the GA community and. Um, the kind of games would be going ahead with the GA. So, look from that, a lot of a lot of a lot of things have been born out of organically from that wonderful there. You know, you don't get that sense of belonging or that sense of identity or that weaves to the fabric of your society as the GA. Really, it's very, it's very, it's very rare. And I suppose it's it's one of the most purest sports because we're amateur still. Yeah, and it's still pure in that way where people still play for the. The pride of their village, represent their families, play with their friends, and you can still play. Even at our age, you can still play at any level if you want to do that. You know, where many other sports don't have that rep- where, you, where you can represent it, uh, uh, no matter what your standard and what your age. You know, yeah. Like you often see if you're talking to anyone who's not from Ireland, and they, it takes them a while to grasp that it is still an amateur sport. That lads are going to work and women are going to work. You know, Monday to Friday, they could like, let's say Jack and Carford here playing for Dublin as a doctor and then goes and lines out for the dubs or whatever. And they're getting no money from it, you know, and, and they're training. And, you know, even that's county level. If you just think club level, the, the lads that are studying in Dublin and getting the bus home on a Tuesday to go to train and then down in, you know, Cavan yeah. or Galway or Mayo or, you know, I have friends of mine that are playing loud and like, you know, they're in their thirties. They're not playing for, you know, they're not playing for the All Ireland, but they're playing for a loud club championship oh. or whatever, and they're training up and down on the bus or in the car. And I'm like, it's it's an amazing thing. Like it is huge because you're representing your family, your town, your county, your country, then in all different aspects. It's an addiction then because you have, as you said, like the, the commitment people make to go home to training from Dublin to the local clubs or to the county training, and even the county players now they put in, you know, third, on average. A survey recently, the GPA put out that they put in on, on average thirty-two to thirty-five hours a week tra- between traveling and training. So it's a second full-time job, really. Mm. Work maybe thirty-seven or 30, forty hours a week or more, and often they sacrifice progression in their careers in terms of further further sport and to represent the county and their club. I think that we're still amateur, I think, because it just keeps that purity of it, and uh, you know, in terms of 
representation and 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 that belonging and that representation of the pride where you come from. Yeah, it's 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 brilliant, and you know, you know, it has its faults as well, no doubt. You know, mm-hmm. definitely it has, it has its issues, but in general, it's it's wonderful. You see any village there or any town or any GA club? When there's a few, it's a GA club that rally around for the languages, do the traffic coordination, yeah. put up the lights, do the guard of honor, and, and all that, and they'll rally around in, in good times and, and and bad. But you know, in general, there's there's always clashes and stuff in different clubs and different things going on, but for the most part, it's 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 a phenomenal gift to Irish people and even abroad. You know, people go abroad. The first thing they do, even they never play GA, GA for the first time when they move abroad, network them, giving them jobs and network. You see GA clubs thriving, you know, and growing and being a huge part of people, the expat life as well. Yeah, I like I've lived in Sydney and in Melbourne and and America and different places, and you know, you'll see someone going down, walking in the street, with O'Neill jersey, and you're kind of like. I don't know that. That's not a club. That's not like a county. And then you realize it's like Sydney Shamrocks or something like that. And you're like, right, it's a load of them all together. Yeah. Just going, right, we're Irish. Let's throw a ball around. Let's go. Brilliant. It's brilliant for that way, you know. Yeah. Uh, and especially if you're the first time and you want to make friends and you want to make a network and you want to maybe get job opportunities. It's, it's an unbelievable avenue for that as well. And the benefits that that brings to people when they're abroad is huge. Were you working or were you in college when you started playing like county for Galway? I was in college. Yeah, I was in college. So I was in, went to UL in 97, for, 96 to 97. And then 97 to 2001, I went to Trinity, uh, graduated in 2001. Took up, uh, so I started with Galway Hurlers in 97 as a 19 year old. Um, so I had four or five years in college while I was playing as well in Dublin, get, going home for training. And then I took up the football in 2000. And so I, for the last year, no, it was only when I when I was finished in 2001, I was brought into the Galway football panel and we went down, played both at Ireland that day. We lost to Hurling to tip and one against Smead. So it was, yeah, the start of my GA career was in college and then the rest was, I was working in the hospitals in Galway here for a lot of it. And then Africa. Until 2011, that was the last time I played for Galway, it was 2011. I played June for four years. That was tough going. Yeah. 2005 on, uh, it was just Hurling again. Because I can't imagine how you do that because, like, do you have to talk to both coaches and say, like, you train on a Monday with one and Tuesday and another, or, like, and what if that mixes up? It was very tough. And it was very tough. In particular, Galway weren't used to that because they weren't used to dual players. Mm. Uh, And kind of a curling board and a football board, and there were different boards, and there was, you know, some didn't like the other, and hurlers didn't like the football. And, and it's it's great now, but you can't do it now because it's gone too too professional and too too condensed into the into the split season and all that. And it's just impossible anymore with the level of commitment and the level of professional has got the level of you know professional basically you know you know about pay um, in terms of the standards and the fitness levels they're at and the prep and the backroom teams. And you see the investment recently in, that was published in all in all the investment that was put into intercounty teams millions now, mm. and uh, so. It, you just can't do it anymore. But back then, it was still very, very difficult because, yes, you were trying to please both managers, trying to please both club managers then, so four managers, and then you're trying to please both players because, you know, some players who weren't on the both teams would be pissed off because you're either half time you were starting the both teams and then you were feeding that. And I'd be a people pleaser by, by nature, so I found that difficult, some conflict between trying to... Uh, and I probably wasn't ruthless enough at the time to... To, to hold my ground I was trying to please everybody yeah which probably in me really not performing to the best of my ability at all and during those years but uh, it's something 
look back and say, okay, I'm going to learn from it. Yeah, because like on, on top of that, you're in college or you're, as you were saying, you're working and you're trying to get training done as well. So like whatever about doing the training, that's obviously very physical. But then you do have to get up, get home, eat, go to bed to get a good sleep, to get up the next morning, to go into work and do whatever a long day. Like yeah. I'd say after four years, you were like, get me out. <laughs> that's why you yeah, went to Africa. Yeah. You're like, I'm away. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was, it was a good break. I needed it from a lot of things. And, um, uh, yeah, no, it was mentally very, very draining, more so than even physically. It was physically very demanding. It was even mentally more draining because of the different rows that happened and the different, you know, demands that were put on you and the different. And you can understand where both were coming from um, or where different people were coming from, definitely, because they had their the best interest of the team and maybe me being a bit stubborn as well back in the day and being proud maybe I didn't see that it was affecting me um, but definitely the mental part of the mental strain of trying to please people was, was and then players you know you knew people weren't happy and so you feel guilty sometimes then that you've been playing and they aren't and uh, that would be my nature physically it was tough but mentally it was even tougher you know um, and emotionally I suppose um, but yeah, learned a lot from, from those few years, definitely. Amazing what you can put your body through and you'll you'll just suck it up and go through, but your your head is what, yeah. you know, is the final call really that goes, listen, you can't keep doing this to yourself. Yeah, and I suppose, again, when you step back, maybe I, when I looked down, it probably was affecting me because you can't serve two masters. And you, at that level, you really need to focus on one to be the max at the top of your game on. And when you're, and they're two totally different games, like one is lots over football, one is hand-eye faster coordination. So it was... Um, I had a bit of stubbornness as well there, right? Where I refused to to acknowledge maybe that it was, you know. Mm-hmm. But I suppose, uh, well, the policy gone on the background didn't help either in terms of the battles. But it was, um, yeah, no, it's just not possible uh, probably then, and definitely not now. And so, tell me, how did you go from studying physio in in Trinity to moving to mm-hmm. Africa? Like, how I've been to Africa, I absolutely love the places I've been, but I don't know yeah. how you get to moving there and. Yeah, um, I suppose what happened in there in 2004, a few things happened that I was wrecked from the hurling of football and the mental drain of pleasing different ma- four different managers, mm. different, different squads, uh, media, scrutiny, et cetera, et cetera, being dropped or not being played and fighting and blah, blah, blah. And then that was a, it was a long-term relationship that ended it as well. And then, so kind of all accumulated there in 2004 where it's in, in, in the league. So, fuck. Or in the, we lost the hurling badly to Kenny. And then we lost the club football final to Killer Air. And that's it. And I said a few things happened. Personally, I said, oh, let's, let's get, I'd love to get a break from all this now because, you know, it's been a few, few years of tough going. Mm. Um, emotionally. So I, and I'm kind of feeling sorry for myself, I suppose. And uh, I remember working with this, this um, John Sinsley was after having an operation. She hadn't walked for a long time. And we we kind of got her walking eventually the team. And that's what the joy, that joy that she had and her parents had that they lifted me out of my own self wall of the GA and everything else. Coincidentally enough, I was at um, a few weeks, a week later, I was at um, NYG, the university. Um, Desmond Tutu was getting an honorary doctorate. Uh, I think Bob Geldof was a speaker and I'd been, I'll, I'll come back to Bob Geldof in a minute on live age. Um, but, and I went to see them speak. It was an open public meeting and advertised. I think I might go and see that. Mm. And I went in and uh, saw that and Tutu spoke and he, he spoke very simply as he always did, but very effectively. And he said, you know, yes, 
Have you ever helped anybody that you didn't have to help? And you were expecting something in return, but you did anyway. And everyone put up their hand. He said, and then he asked, how did you, how did you feel after you helped the, or you made a difference or helped that person? And everyone put up their hand and people said, oh, I walked away feeling a glow inside. I walked away 10 foot tall. I walked away very proud of myself, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Proven that helping people psychologically, physiologically, scientifically, emotionally, every way to be very good for you. Mm. And I clicked to me because a week later, you know, this lady's smile and getting her walking really gave me a I said, Jesus, there's something to that definitely. And uh, and I said, I, I must look at going away, going overseas. And I always wanted to go to Africa to to help with goal. I used to see goal used to be helping all these big, a uh, lot of, a lot of sporting guys go over for some, on some of their trips because they were very much, you know, uh, had sporting ambassadors. I said, post goal, but a friend of mine worked for goal at the time and they had no vacancies for me. And then I said, ah, oh, I won't bother going. So, and I gave up hope of going. And, um, we were going to London in November of 2004 to a soccer game, a few of us from college, a few friends from, uh, from our, our days. And this priest called Dan Joe O'Mahony was giving us a lift to the airport. And he said, are you going to Africa now, Alan? And I said, no, Dan Joe, I'm not going now. He's gone. And he said, would you, would you go to, i never forget, he said, to him, would you work with AIDS and lepers? Because he, he was a capuchin. Yeah. And I said to him, in my head, I would. And I, I said to him, yes, I would. And in my head, I was kind of going, oh, um, I don't know. And he's, because he's guys, the capuchins who work in Zambia and they ran back in the old days of leprosy and they had a lot of programs dealing with the HIV mm. pandemic. And, uh, and he said, would you go over to our guys in Zambia, the missionaries? And I said to him, yeah. And in my head, I said, yeah. And in, in my head, I said, oh, uh, tough enough, they were a group of people mm. that are your own age or years or have been on your own, you know. And anyway, I went off to London and came back. And then he came, he would bring us home from the airport on the Monday. And he said, look at that. There's aunt of our guys. They were aunt's sister, Cathy, in Mongo. She runs a home for disabled children. And I suppose when I look at the wild, I pick Africa. And when I look back, I, uh, and I trawl in my subconscious mind and see where were the triggers for Africa. Um, I can only come up with two things, why Africa. And there were, back when I was seven, I was watching Live 8. I think I was seven. I was watching Live Aid and the scenes from the RT News on the famine at the time. Mm. And I was horrified and scared. I used to hide behind the couch because I couldn't be able to watch the news of the, of the amazed, the, the real horrific scene footage from, from, from people mm. in starving. And uh, that year, my dad won the captain's prize in Gorch. And he did a sweepstakes and he backed himself to win it and he got other guys to back him and they won. But and, you know, we needed it. I was the oldest of five, five very young kids. Uh, it was a recession. My dad was a salesman uh, for concrete and block. So, you know, we weren't, uh, we were a very average family. Um, yeah. And he gave every penny that to live age. Wow. Was that, I, yeah. So I said, little did he know that that would trigger me 30 years later, raising millions for the same cause, if you know what I mean. So, you know, I always say to people, never underestimate the power of your actions and how we can ignite something in a child. Especially with a role, and that can be negative also, because often the traumas of adulthood comes from instances in their childhood, but also positively you can too. And it would be a positive example, I suppose. But there's often dramatic, uh, traumatic. You know, you know, I've often I've often heard a quote, and I kind of tried to raise my own children by, and there's no guarantee, by the way, that my children will end up great. Was mm. it far easier to build strong children than fix broken adults? Mm-hmm. So, and, and, you know, you can invest loads of time in your children 
and and I believe times of rescue can give them. That's what I try to do, but still no guarantee. But it might be that they'll end up not broken adults, obviously. Yeah. Because a lot of other things can happen, but you have a better chance, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So I want to pre-frame that. So, but I suppose my dad that time, I used a role model of mine, GA co- or coach, and he did that. And I knew we needed it. And that kind of triggered in me, wow, that's amazing. So years later, when I had this chance to go, that's why I went to Africa and I wanted to go and help um, the same cause. So the ripple effect of that action 30 years later uh, was huge, I suppose. And I always say, I never underestimate the power of your positive or negative actions on young kids, you know, and where that might lead uh, down the line or how it might ripple out uh, in the years to come. So could long story, 2005, I went for three months. And I just totally changed my outlook in life and changed the direction of my life, I suppose. I was blown away by her. She was a, an Irish woman and two Irish women. Another one ran a home, uh, an orphanage and a school two hours away where I was based. Hmm. And I spent the time between Kayoma and Mongo in western Zambia. And I suppose I was blown away by these two women in their 70s, carrying both communities by their hands on their own, like building wells, sinking houses, running schools, running home to disabled children, but no, just on their own, like with just driving communities. And, and I was saying, Jesus, this is amazing. And when I came home, I said, you know, I wasn't intending to set up a charity. I just wanted to tell their story because I was so amazed by them. Mm. And I, I also asked myself, look, I have a bit of a small bit of a profile here. This, this is what they're doing. Like, what the fuck am I doing, really? What, what am I going to do? You know, or how can I help them? So I was inspired to help them, really, and tell their story. Never intend to set up a charity. Never. My only intention was when I said, Alan, um, I said, how can I help? How can I stay involved? I'd love to help you. She's running a home for disabled children. She's 75 kids in her care. Oh, donor dependent was going looking for donations. There was a famine there when I arrived. So there was 800 families in the area starving. And I'd raised about 20 grand before I went out, intending to put it into the home for disabled children physio unit to help yeah. with physio equipment. We put all that money in. 20 kg bag of milanese that would do each family maybe a meal every second day for three weeks that was a people coming to the door tap on their tummy going hungry hungry you know you can't turn that off like and we went out in the villages and we were a hearse like collecting bodies that were dying from hiv aids because no transport bringing the bodies to the hospital and you know you can't turn that off and i said to people people said why a lot of people come back don't do anything why did you do something and i was kind of saying because when you see it in television you turn off and you go grab a cup of tea and you put on the Champions League and it's gone out of your head. But when you live amongst it and you smell it and you taste it and you see death and people dying unnecessarily and people hungry, it's it's hard to get those smells and senses away. And I suppose the sense of injustice, how can this be happening? Only a flight away. And also the sense of, I suppose, you know, by pure geographical fluke, I was born where I'm born and they're born here. Who's to say, why wasn't I born here? And I was by pure geographical fluke, I have the world at my feet and all these opportunities. And they don't, but yet they have the same dream as me, become sports stars, doctors, nurse, whatever, but they have no chance. Only Their only main goal is to get food for the day. That sense of injustice was 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 a, was very, I suppose, difficult to, to settle in your head or to accept, I suppose. So the, so when I was coming home, I asked her, how can I help? And she said, I'd love five grand, Alan, for a borehole for clean drinking water in the area. That would have three big effects. If I get one, I would get more, she said. And that the money is too expensive. I need to teach them to grow their own food in this environment. Mm. If I can get running water first, 
They will have clean drinking water. They can irrigate their crops. The kids can go to school because a lot of the kids now go 10k to this well. So they're all, they're spending all the day going and ferrying water. So they can't go to school. Uh, a lot of them are drinking water from anywhere they get at holes in the ground, so it's causing illness. So we, get, we buy them the oxen plows, we buy them the seeds, and we try and teach them to grow for themselves. That's the main goal. So, you know, back in 2005, when I came home, it was a Celtic tiger. You know, builders were throwing five, ten grand at everybody. Mm. Uh, it was very, people were very generous because they had it and they were throwing it at different charities. So, put out to a few people that make him home and five grand became ten grand because I picked and we're very looking Jamie Negers who was he was a sport is a freelance photographer there in Dublin and he was a sports photographer sports file with Ray McManus's crowd at the time and he was on a couple of all star trips and Ray the Cup trips would be the year previously and he touched me said would you mind if I take some photographs? So a few few things like synchronicities that serendipity has happened like that that he took the most amazing photographs of me in work. And uh, those photos really sold the story for us when we came back. Because I don't need the little rewindable one, just those one with no phones <laughs> back then. Oh, yeah, only the kind of mobiles that were like turf, pieces of turf, they were so big. Um, and uh, so five grand, I came home and again, we got to the Ireland find that year, we lost the Cork. Five grand became 20 grand, became 50 grand. Darren Fettel was a, was a, was a, work, was working with Virgin Meter, TV3 it was at the time. And he saw, he did a preview with the Ireland final with me and said he'd give it a plug. He saw the pictures and then he said, oh, it's a documentary in this. And he got TV3 to commission a documentary a year later. The year award. Just things started snowballing when, you know, that I didn't know or think would happen. Mm. And so I became 50, became 500. And then in 2008, I had to put a, a proper legal structure around the money to be able to spend it properly, to be able to do it right. So we mm-hmm. funded the, the charity and, and that's how it all started. And then, of course, um, the recession hit <laughs> a month later so to work 10 times harder for 10 times less you know to get money in because when when the recession hit then it was very difficult to get money for africa you know because yeah there was cuts here for the organizations in ireland and everybody became focused internally on uh, all the corporates and all the donors and all the philanthropists and the foundations were all focused on local based yeah charities because they've been and rightly so you know so we had to become, you know, really work hard and really creative to connect people to get money to support what we were doing. Um, but that was tough going. And, uh, yeah, so kept going with that for, um, with huge successful projects. We kept going with that until maybe 2015, where it was South of Africa. Um, and at that time, I suppose I was married and it looked very lucky to me, Kira, my wife now, who was, um, who'd been brilliant and very supportive. And without her, um, we wouldn't do half of what I did, and she's just amazing. And parents are she's a rock behind it. Um, we got married, and I suppose I had to look at my own situation because I put everything into Africa, you know, no savings, no pension, whatever. And had and uh, we, we were expecting our first baby, and uh, I just look at my own financial security. So I had to. So I said, and I also looked at the charity and to look at. We did a strategic review, and I was the review. I said I was the biggest strength, but I was also the biggest weakness because it was a one-man band. Everything was coming through me, yeah. And so, for the sustainability of the projects, I needed to let go. If you know what I mean? It was just hard to let go of your own baby, I suppose. So to wind down mine and merging with South Africa, and they'd agreed to take on 
a lot of our projects and support a lot of our partners, which is great, mm. which also allowed us access to far bigger grants from the bigger uh, EU and Irish aid, because I was too small to access some of those. So that was a, a difficult but a brilliant move because they were brilliant to us. And then I kind of, then luckily enough, when we joined them, we had our first baby, Ruan, and he was critically ill then for the first six months of his life. So we had to give up everything. And me and Kira gave up everything from, he was born yesterday, actually, on our wedding anniversary. So he's so eight years ago. So he was born on the 14th of December and we didn't get home until May or June, May, April, May. Mm. We were in Tempest Street. They were amazing. Tempest Street was an amazing organization mm. and the nurses in there. And he was very critically ill for those few months. And we were transferred to Manchester where he had life-saving surgery on his pancreas and then back to Tempest Street again. But uh, he's doing very well now. Thanks for the God. But I needed that. I suppose I, I stayed. Set up my own company, the own leadership and team development. But I also do some work with South Africa as well, mm. and bringing in donors, bringing in uh, doing some events and um, as well. So I, I, I'm looking up to have both angles now, which is great. It's a, it's a lot, isn't it? Because I, well, I've been to Africa now, not as long as you were, and the people are just amazing. They're just so happy that you're there, <laughs> and like. You know, you see kids running around in Justin Bieber T-shirts that have been donated and they have no idea who Justin Bieber is. And, you know, they were explaining to me the types of potato you get over there. And they said, you know, do you want sweet potato or Irish? And I was like, what? What?" And they were saying they call the potatoes in Uganda Irish because the Irish people are the ones who taught them how to plant them and how to grow them and how easy. And, And like, they're just so happy with, like, I brought some pencils and small very inconsequential. I was in Uganda when I went over to um, uh, a refugee camp. So there was it was a South, South Sudanese who had fled over to Uganda. And then I went to Namibia for two weeks to work with um, wildlife. So that was down in, um, oh. that was a, it was working with the wildlife and the local tribes. So you help the local tribes kids go to school and learn. Wow. You're also helping the animals. But like, I come back from that, especially in the Mibby one, I came back and it was coming into Christmas and it was just so commercial yeah. and everything was so flashy and gifts and spent hundreds of euro on a bag or whatever. And I was like, all this money couldn't change lives like what we're spending. Yeah. And even that's when I came back from the first time in Zambia as well, I came to Dublin, I was staying with Andy, my friend in Blanchetown and I left all my clothes in in Zambia. So I brought them back in the three months I had to go into the Blanchetown shopping centre to buy a pair of jeans and a few bits going home. And I remember spending 50 euros on a pair of jeans or something. And I said, oh, jeez, I'll since the Because this 50 euro could feed four families for a month. Or, yeah. And I, was, I was constantly equating what this would do. And, and but you have to, I suppose, it's all relative and you have to, you have mm-hmm. to, you know, to try to just accept and you need stuff to survive here too. But it's, um, yeah, I found that that exact same challenge when I came back, and I suppose but you learn. I suppose you go many times now. You learn to kind of compartmentalize it a little bit, but just not the word is, but just you're you're desensitized to that now when you come back. If you know, like, yeah, it's the first couple so, yeah. of weeks that kind of hits you, and then suddenly you're like, well, no, I actually, still have to be able to afford to eat myself here, and you know, it's all. Yeah. You know, yeah, it, exactly, yeah. You're right. You mentioned that the people are amazing. I suppose I've learned a lot more from them than they than we, than maybe I've given to them or whatever. You know what I mean? Because you know the way they sing and dance through life and this troubles, and that's what I try to do now and try to teach people here. You know, try and smile through everything and enjoy it because you have to do it anyway. But if you try and enjoy it and sing through it and dance through it, you're going to get through it a lot easier. You'll actually even play sports. 
go out and play for it with a smile and try and enjoy it, you're going to play a lot better because you're free to express yourself rather than the fear of everything, you know. So it's um uh, and you know they share what they have, what they what they need, what we don't need, you know. And you know the the, the lessons you the small things you see people doing over there are mind blowing. And I always say people, even the guys on these these trips that we did in the last few years, the Panther Planet matches, I always say, look at. You know, the big events will be great, but it'll be the small interaction below your mind that'll be the highlight. And it's always the way it's like if one little kid might give a kid a sweet and the member, she, she went into the dorm where her other kid was staying there. And only one jelly baby and she took a bite of it. And then she went into the dormitory and she gave the second half of the small sweet to her sick friend who was, so she wouldn't be left out. Oh. And, you know, one little jelly baby. So, you know, it's those little things that blow your mind in terms of, uh, you know, how they look after, how they try to look after each other with what little they have, you know. I remember seeing this little kid, uh, little kids, they were a group of little boys and they must have been, I'd say, aged between like five and eight. And it was all like red soil and, you know, they've no shoes or anything on. And one of them had randomly had a Kilkenny GA jersey on, which I found adorable. Um, and they had a football and this football was not blown up properly. It was definitely deflated. But they, the joy that was coming out of them, just kicking the ball around to each other. And they love it. They love sport. They love football and all that. And, you know, they, they, even though they're not watching the games every week and United or anything like that, but to them, that little bit of joy, it, like, is huge. So, like, I can understand why you kind of want to bring the GA aspect into what you've done with Africa. Like, but, like, tell me, how did, like, Plant the Planet, like, how did you come up with this together? I was, um, I suppose, two of my big passions in life are GA and Africa, I suppose. Mm. And, uh, I always had a dream of bringing an inter-county game. I'd always had a, a wild idea in my head. What would we like? Imagine if we brought an inter-county game to, to Africa or an all-star trip. or Because you see the all-star trips going away to Singapore and New York and Dubai. And so, I'd have to bring one of them official ones there. But um, I suppose it was, I always had a dream of, and in this, uh, I saw that I worked in a lot of collaboration with South Africa. And I saw they had a one million three campaign going on uh, with Lenisk. And gee, Max, it would be great to bring... Um, a match, uh, intercounty game and a four quarter game. So the first, no, I said, all the officer trips said the hurlers go or the footballers go and the ladies footballers go on their own and the camogies go on their own. And all this integration going on. Why can't we bring one trip where all the four courts come together, representatives of all the four courts and we play a mixed match over in Kenya? Play the first ever. So the first thing was about a historic to play the first ever game, inter, all star game in Africa. And then I'm, I'm, I found a new organization called Warriors for Humanity, which is, um, just a kind of a, a face of, uh, it's kind of in its infancy, but it's all about creating a kind of a human army for good, if you know what I mean, whereby, you know, I'm a big believer most people want to make it. So it's kind of a global, global citizen movement. And I believe most people want to make a difference. Most, not everybody, but most, but sometimes life gets in the way. The business of life gets in the way or they don't know how to. Or the, or they just need a little trigger or, or, or a poke mm-hmm. to get involved in something. But I don't set up a, war, a, a, a platform to allow people to leave a legacy. Most people want to leave a positive legacy in some some shape or form. So I formed Warriors for Humanity, and I said I'd love to. This would be the first one, big one, and I have a dream of playing for intercounty game to African side. Get fine at fifty players from ladies football, camogie. Uh, hurling and football challenge them to raise 10 grand each 
And that will allow us to plant one million trees. And what a collective legacy that would be for us as a group of players to leave behind. Not only for the environment, but also hundreds of thousands of families would live off these trees long after we're gone because they're not trees. It's, it's food crops. It's cash crops. It's nitrogen rich the soil crops. It's shelter belts. It's rehabilitation of degraded soil. It's reforestation. So tons of thousands of families will live off these long after we're gone. And what a legacy for these players to leave behind. And also, while they're there, like you have experienced, like I have experienced, they will be challenged and they will be their values, their their outlook in life. They will learn a lot of life lessons in terms of leadership and in terms of change. And they'll prove to themselves that they can make a difference because they'll see the difference they make. And when they come back, we'd love them to continue making that difference in their own schools, in their own communities, in their own teams, in their own villages, whatever they're passionate about. So you're kind of igniting some so, some social change makers there as well, or yeah. some active citizens. So Ireland benefits as well. Um, and Ireland benefits because of some of the trees are planted in Ireland and then overall climate. So that was the idea. And it looked like it, it was a bit of a beast, but it came off. And we got great players there last year, and they all raised a 10K either through corporate partnerships or fundraising or a mixture or an online. And, you know, we have great partners in the GPA and, and they backed it and they could see the benefit for the players in terms of their development and the transformational change that they would go through. Um, and that Help obviously are a wonderful organization and they're doing this for years. They're experts in this. Um, where they would, you know, and every tree that's planted is owned by the family that gets it or the communities that get it or the schools. And then they're given education and training and technical support to be able to live off these trees. That ensures the tree survive as well because every tree represents a livelihood. So um, that, what, that's what happened. And, and you know, TV3 came and they did a documentary last year. Nemeton came again this year and looked at it through four players' eyes. That'll be interesting to see what that turns out like. Um, but the players had amazing experience and geez, they're brilliant. Like a lot, such role models to take time out of their busy careers. We should be so proud of them and to raise that much money and, and to go uh, and to trust us, I suppose, and come with us. But they had a great experience as well. And uh, we created, I suppose, in Warwick for humanity, I have kind of an ethos or a, ma- a mantra that I like to create extraordinary experiences that um, will create extraordinary memories for the people who come. But, but will allow them to leave an extraordinary impact and, uh, and, and, a, and a great collective legacy. And I suppose the, these players would never have done this on this, this platform where event was created. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's what that's, that's what that's the model that we're trying to look at going forward. And we did a lot this year again. We're just back. And another great, unbelievable bunch of players again. You know, had the, a lot of them had life changing and life and life transforming experiences. Or you know, they were really. They were really um, blown away by the experience. Um, they were definitely challenged by what they saw, but also inspired by what they saw because, as you said, the people are amazing mm. and the people there inspired them and, and taught them a lot. And that's why it's great, the power of sport and the power of music to unite different cultures and that we were trying to get through is, you know, the world is so divided now, but, you know, we, we had people from Kenya and different religions in Kenya and Irish sports there singing together or playing together because and the human connect and you know when you when you connect on a human level magic happens and magic happened out in those ships and you know and even between the friendship that these players have when they come home now is great as well mm-hmm. they just they've shared that experience together and you know even last year's group are still so much in contact with each other and you see on instagram guys from 
play hurling for Antrim down swimming and carry with the Kerry football, you know, and it, that would never happen before. Or they're all meeting up, and it's wonderful to see the friendships have sustained and, la- and will last long into the future. It's amazing, and it's like a hundred Irish people that have gone over, but they yes. now inspire the next group. If you decide to do it again, because everyone yes. that they've played with, they've t- they've t- t- told their story, and the young people or the older people are going, "Geez, I wouldn't mind doing that myself," yeah. because like, what's yeah, and if some of them are teachers and they go back into the schools now as well and be huge role models for their students and their pupils as well. So there will be a there will be a huge there's a huge awareness as well going on from them sharing their posts and their experiences on their different platforms as well. So yeah, I know it's it's uh it, we're lucky it's been very successful. Be you know and both of them gone off really well. Um, you know they're big undertakings and, and logistical. Huge logistical beast, but South Africa were brilliant in terms of all that and handling and the project visits and brighter communities as well. We visited and then we we ran with the Kenyans as well, which is an unbelievable experience for our athletes with Brother Colin O'Connell in E10. He's trained 35 world champions and seven Olympic champions. So we got to see him and train with him and learn from him as well and share nuggets and uh, the players love that as well and then they love the planting with the communities and planting with the kids and these kids are going to been as as the players were planting with the kids who will benefit from these you know, you know so that was amazing and this was a, it was a lovely moment for some of them on the tree planting days where we realize it or dawned on them i suppose the difference they're making and and the the, the what's the word the reward for all the hard work back home raising the money was actually the penny was dropping, yeah, and that, that, that they were going to have, and I suppose the pro, the sense of achievement in that, and the sense of you know that they'd done it, it it, it was lovely to see, and they were getting emotional as well about it. But that was lovely to see too, yeah, you know uh, that they, that they really got it now. They 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 seen it for the first time. It just hit them. I saw um, GoFundMe saying the other day that for the fifth year in a row, Ireland are the biggest per capita donators on on GoFundMe. Let's say we saw that even after you know recent weeks, you know, by that that Brazilian guy a pint, he got like over three hundred grand to get a pint. You know, the most expensive pints in town. Um, but like we are a very charitable country because we know what it's like to have nothing. But I there's one like I find myself donating obviously to different charities you don't see the follow through yeah. a lot of the times so for yeah. these players they do they see where the the 20 euro that yeah. their granny gave them is going they get to yeah. see where you know the corporate sponsorship is go- going so like there is that amazing follow through of seeing the child in the school going a tree that we take trees sometimes for granted because we have them everywhere in Ireland it's a very green country yeah. and then you go over there and you see the red soil and there's nothing for miles and for them to actually follow through yeah. it, like it must have been just life changing for them all yeah, and I think I suppose probably probably need to get the message a little bit away that it's not trees alone. And somebody's always planted trees. Oh, it's not, you know, we're creating livelihoods. You know, we're, we're it's cash crops, it's, it's fruit crops, it's banana, it's tree plant, it's cashew plantations, it's all these economic things, and and the the farmers are trying to train to live off them by self help Africa and to give them technical support, and then they're often pulled together in co-ops and given and sell them to the breweries or sell them to. A market, <laughs> their excess, they know where to sell it, but we're trying to get them access to markets as well, and you know, transport to markets and all that. So there's a lot more to it than just trees, if you know what I mean. Oh, of course. But, but um, yeah, you're right. It's brilliant for them to see, you know, and meet the people that are going to benefit from their, I suppose, their their fundraising efforts back home. Hmm. Um, can you ask them to raise ten grand? It is for for a lot of people, it's daunting. 
sounds mm-hmm. like a lot of money. But Boad is not that. We kind of coach them how to do it and how to approach corporates and the benefits to corporates as well, but also different fundraising events. And, you know, it's a very intense trip. So we kind of have a you know, Dick as our Divas policy on it where, you know, you, you, we have to carefully select who we bring on this trip because you, you want people who are there for the right reasons. And the 10 grand then seems will, will also generally won't come on unless they're going for the right reasons, you know, mm-hmm. because of the fundraising element as well. Um, and, you know, the, the players have been amazing, unbelievable role models. Um, the respect they had over there. Yes, we had a good time as well, but, you know, the respect that they had for the communities, the way they carried themselves, the way they interacted with the kids, the way they got down and played with, and the, but the, and I respect the culture and sang and dance and the sharing of cultural music and, and craft and culture and sport was, was, was lovely to watch. Yeah. And, uh, we're very proud to be Irish and very proud of the GA and the GPA. And I suppose with your, as you said, the no dickheads, no divas, the thing about the GA is because it's such a community sport, you'll be able to find it very quickly before they even, when they're registering an interest, who is good. And who's yeah, good. yeah, yeah, yeah. And generally, you've, the GA, in fairness, in general, you don't get many those anyway. So we're lucky that way, you know. Yeah. Uh, because your in your your community will take it on pretty quickly if you are. will. <laughs> <laughs> so in general, like, we, we have that policy, but it's um, it's um, it's in general, it's uh, you know, you don't have to worry too much because the, the the majority are are just are, are all decent and very sound, and and, and genuine about it. Whoever puts up their hand are are all really doing it for the right reasons. The big thing to tend is all your life. It is a big thing to try and raise 10 grand. They're busy enough as it is with their jobs and their families and their sports. So genuinely, you don't get people who only do it for the right reasons and want to make a difference and want to make an impact. And so when people are listening to this now, they're going to want to know what you're doing next and what they or how they can help. So is there something that you have in mind, that, like if they have a bit of excess cash from, you know, in January and they're like, look, I didn't go out for that. Yeah. Pints that I was a lot of the players still have their eye donates open mm-hmm. and they're actually fundraising until until early in the new year. Uh, and we're going to go again uh, for the third edition um, next November again. Hopefully all going well. Mm-hmm. Um because it has been such a success and so many players do want to go and it is to, it's tough going, organising, getting the 50 players lined up and, and I know the logistics of getting them all through Kenya as well. You know, you travel through Africa, it's, it's yeah. different. Yeah, the cities are fine. This, this is Africa. Cities, cities are normal. You wouldn't, yeah. you run London to Nairobi or something, you're like, this can't be Africa. You drive 20 minutes outside and you're like, oh yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. And just things don't run, run to schedule at times, so it can't be challenging. You know what I mean? And it's like you're on African time and an African way, but it's great for them to experience that as well. But it's um, it's challenging when you're all trying to get 50 or 60 or 70 people around the country. But um, it's, um, and, you, and you have different events lined up, but um, it's always worth it because of the, the impact of the trip, both on the local community, but also on the players. Yeah. And then the chips and bonds that are forged on the trip are just magic to watch as well, you know what I mean, in terms of genuine friendships and genuine, you know, these friendships will last a lifetime as well, um, as, as well as the impact they're making. And also seeing the transformation of the players from the start to the end of the trip is is wonderful to watch as well and how they grow and how they develop and, and uh, how they, I suppose, get a sense of, What's happening? It's 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 it makes it worth. It's very worthwhile watching that. I suppose that's why we do it, you know, as well as well as you know the environment and making the difference to the people there. Yeah. Well, as you said, the I know I donate pages are open. I'll put link up to that. I yeah, love that you put a leadership board in that because that really drives the sportsmanship in them all. They're like, 
I'm not letting that belt from that <laughs> yeah, county exactly, beat me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of them having this stuff up, which is great, because a lot of them have, have got having even fundraising pages because they've got their corporate donations, so that goes strange self self help, which is great. But it's, they've all done very well, you know. They've all done very well, which is yeah. great. And um, it's um, you know, it's not easy now raising money when you know there's so many worthy causes as well out there. Mm-hmm. Gaza, it's, it's difficult to watch. Uh, Ukraine and all the other you know wonderful organizations in Ireland as well that are so badly needed as well. So, but the Irish people are just wonderfully generous, as you said, they're amazing. They're amazing. Yeah. And time and time again, I'm blown away by the generosity of different people. Some people don't have it. Some people do have it, and the amounts that they give is is um. Yeah. But if people want to go and find out more about the other stuff that you do with your charity work yeah. and stuff, um, where can yeah, they? Yeah, we're launching that. What I'll do is I'll give you the, well, I'll send you on the website, the Warriors for Humanity, but we're launching a new website in January. So, um, people can check us out in January and we put it up, uh, at the new website with different events that will be launching next year. So we're just in the process of, it's a very, it's just a, Oh, placeholder website there at the moment, but we'll, we'll be, we'll be launching a, a new one in, in a, mid to mid January to late January. So um, keep an eye out for that. Can normal people be involved in that as well? Or do you have to be a GA centric? Tell us. <laughs> um, generally for these trip, this trip, um, for the GA trips, it's generally the GA players, the, the intercounty players that we bring. But look, we, we, we're opening up. We're looking at other options now, how to get other people involved with the, you know, the, some publicans are looking at bringing a gang. Um, so there's loads of other kind of Brilliant. games that we're looking at, peace games and other games that we're looking at definitely of of how to how to give open up the opportunity to to, to everybody and to create a teamship around that as well. So definitely there's, there's there's definitely opportunities for people to get involved without a doubt. And we're looking forward to to maybe you know developing that that warrior for humanity community where we'll be launched that in January as well, where we get and we'll be creating lots of events um that would allow people to come on and have really good experiences and great memories, but uh, will facilitate them and empower them and enable them to, you know, make a big difference, leave an extraordinary impact and, and, a, and an extraordinary legacy, as we say. Um, um, because you know, there's no no better thing we do, no better thing that we can do than help people or serve people. So it's um, so there will be loads of opportunities uh, in Africa and in other areas of the world and in Ireland. We'll be looking to to really uh, ramp it up in the next year. Oh, I'm, I'm make sure I'll share that on our Instagram. I'll yeah. definitely follow because it sounds like it's right up my street. I'd love to get involved in stuff like yeah. that. So Brilliant. definitely, and we'll we'll explore that. Which, no problem at all. Yeah, definitely. Well, listen, thank you so much. I've had you an hour now. My apologies. <laughs> You're like it's Friday. No away, Nicola. <laughs> <laughs> Go take my little daughter now. <laughs> oh well, thank you so much. You can, people can listen to it and find out more about. And I'll put um lovely to talk to you. Happy Christmas. Yeah, so, really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you. You too. Sloan. Bye. Bye bye. Okay, of course, that was Alan Cairns there from Galway and chatting all about Plant the Planet games. So as he mentioned, the some of the iDonate pages are still open. So literally, I just did it there without and send me the link. I just put in idonate.ie and put in Plant the Planet Games. Comes up straight away. So I'm looking here currently at the page. So like top of the leaderboard, let's say it says Fiona McHale, Danielle Caldwell and Lisa Cafferkey. Um, and then they're in a group page together. We've got Lindsay Davies page. So she's on nearly on 12 grand. So maybe if you're a Dublin fan, you want to bring her up. She's 54 euro away from 12 grand. Dan Marcy, if you're a Limerick fan there, he is on 10,313. All this money is, you know, 
going to go towards the charities and will help for next year or will, you know, maybe there'll be projects that will go towards this year. And I know it's Christmas and I know everybody is struggling and doesn't want to spend too much. So it's completely understandable. But if you don't have the money, you can go and follow them on Instagram. Keep an eye for, um, follow Alan and he will be launching Warriors for Humanity next January. And he already has me intrigued. I am so on board. I am all for this making changes. It doesn't have to be huge. Like we all know the power of a nice kind word and me as a podcaster, I know that if somebody sends me a message saying I really enjoyed your chat, I am buzzing or someone leaves me a review or if I looked at this ACAST tomorrow and I see that I've got loads of listens on this episode, I'm buzzing lads. It's just, it'll make my day. So like that's kind words. So it doesn't have to be, you know, you have to donate loads and loads of money, but maybe it'll be a thing that, you know, Alan will put up this new website next year and you can get involved in some way volunteering or taking part in a game we don't know what's going to be yet but it'll be all very exciting so just keep an eye on that and if you're listening to this episode in January it could be already launched so go and have a look Warriors for Humanity um, I'm really thankful to Alan for giving me his time obviously before he collected his little girl from preschool um, next week I have an American guest. Now the actress strike is off. I have one of my American guests coming and he has a very strong Irish link. So I'll be chatting to, um, you'll be hearing that all next week. But if this is your first time here and you are here because you're a GAA fan, do scroll back. Some episodes you might enjoy. Aidan O'Shea is there from Mayo. Dublin fans, we've got Shane Carty. Paul Brogan is also there. Um, so you might enjoy any of those. And if you're not a GAA fan, and you are you just kind of like what else have you got there's loads and loads there Peaky Blinders Scrubs SVU Home and Away loads of stars from those uh, X Factor singers reality stars the whole shebang there's this is season 5 so hopefully I haven't turned you off too much you'll be tempted to go back and scroll back and add one to your playlist or to stick on you're out for your walk anyway aren't you or you're for your drive you're cleaning the house so what's one more episode to keep you motivated to keep going maybe you will all after this episode will think of maybe giving somebody a little charity gift there are loads you can do here at home like a Cork Simon community you can sponsor a room so you can help somebody who's homeless um, obviously with animal charities which are very close to my heart you can sponsor Madra who are from Galway obviously it's Galway episode um, they have a way you can buy I think it's 20 euro to buy a present for a dog so basically it's like a you know you know the way we do those shoe boxes it's a shoe box for a dog so it's toys and treats and loads of bits in it and obviously that makes a huge difference um you can sponsor a dog and dogs trust and Dundalk dog rescue also do it too but also places like Trocra, you can like buy like a cow or a light or stuff like that and you give that to somebody. And these are going for as little as a fiver, lads. So maybe you've got a secret Santa or maybe you've a stocking to fill and this is a nice little gift. And if somebody doesn't enjoy it, well, they're not a very nice person. Let's just say that. <laughs> well, look, I'm away. I'm hopefully we'll see you all next week. Hopefully you'll tune in. But if you are trying to get away from the family over Christmas and you don't want to cause any drama, just stick the headphones on, throw a few episodes of Tis Yourself on and I will be back with you in the next few days. Slong of fall. Happy Christmas. Mwah.